You know that song. It's Clarity by Zed, and the guy who played a big role in writing that one, you might not know him, but you will now. His name is Matthew Coma, and he's this week's guest on the Pop Shop Podcast, Headliner Interview. My name's Chris Payne. I'm a staff writer at Billboard. I host this interview series every week on Pop Shop. Had a great time in the Billboard office chatting with Matthew. He's the sort of person at a glance, you might just call him a DJ, you might associate him with dance music, but like a lot of people like him, there's so much more beneath the surface. We talked about how he's worked with Britney Spears, Carly Rae Jepsen, Bruce Springsteen even, I'm being serious. Matthew's only 29 years old, but he has all kinds of crazy stories from all these people he's collaborated with, and he shared a lot of them with me. He also has new solo music as Matthew Coma coming out soon. Just dropped a new single out today, November 4th, which we'll talk about and listen to. Uh, you know, normally this headliner interview I do always runs every Thursday. Just this week, we're doing it on a Friday. We switched it up a little bit. We'll be back as usual this time next week with a new guest. For now, let's listen to some stories from Matthew Coma, DJ, producer, songwriter, rocker. Long Island native, all those things. Enjoy. Matthew Coma, Pop Shop Podcast. How you doing? Pop Shop Podcast. Popping off. Popping off at the table. At the table in the Billboard office in New York. So you do, you do a lot of things. You wear many hats, DJ, producer, putting out an EP now. So tell me what hats you are currently wearing, metaphorically. Well, I kind of took the past, uh, I'd say, nine months or so and, and really focused on making a record and a body of work that, that felt like mine. I think previously I've always kind of been involved in so many different projects and touring at the same time that I hadn't had a chance to really just focus on what separated my songs from songs that I worked on for other artists. So I've kind of just focused on that for the past, I'd say, nine or ten months, just locked myself in a room and shut everything else out and dug deep and, and kind of found what it was that made it mine versus what I deliver or contribute for other other projects or other collaborations. So it's sort of been selfish mode lately, just, just honing away and, and finding it. But we're we're finished now, so I'm going to start to have a life again. So the past nine to ten months, you've put collaborations, working with other musicians completely on hold. This has all been towards your project. Yeah, I mean, uh, collaborations in the sense of doing it for features or for other records, but I worked with a lot of people on my album. So guys like Louis the Child and Gray and Jai Wolf and Steve James and Flux Pavilion. Uh, So lots of collaborating, but with a different intent than previously. And anytime you're working with an artist and it's for their record or it's for a feature for them, it's always trying to execute their vision, right? Because it's their project. So this time it was done with the intent of, of my body of work, of what it was I wanted to say, of what it was I was looking to accomplish. Um, so a different mode, but still a very similar kind of routine, I guess. Yeah. It's like, do you have to make a lot of effort to hold something onto yourself to make it a Matthew Coma song as opposed to like, eh, maybe someone else could come calling for this. Maybe they would want it for their track. I mean, to be completely honest, previously, yeah, it was it was a lot of, okay, this may be for me, but there's an opportunity for it to go on this artist or 
or reproduce it in this light, but this was the first time where I made sure that each song felt so specifically tailored to me, and it was so autobiographical that it, it couldn't be for somebody else. And I think that's the thing that set this body of work apart from things that I've previously done. They weren't just songs. They were they were things that other people couldn't sing because they were super personal or really specific. So, like, hard to love, very self-deprecatingly accurate, you're saying? Uh, embarrassingly so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it like, what does it feel like putting out a song like that? I don't know yet because I haven't put it out, right? So, I mean, it felt good doing it because there was definitely some sort of, I don't know if it's, if it's a code cracked, but some sort of liberation to do something that felt so honest. Um, because, again, working with so many other people where you're taking into consideration what it is they're looking to put across or how they want to be perceived or what they want from the song is so different than saying, no, what, what is a fair and true representation of what I do and who I am and how can I introduce myself to people separately from those songs that they might have heard me on or, or from before. So it definitely is different. It's, it's a lot more bare and a lot more of a raw process to kind of even just be honest with yourself to that degree. I think that's the thing that makes this record feels special to me period and and kisses back included is that it's it's pulling from it's pulling from real stuff so i feel a lot more attached to it and also a lot more kind of defined by it i think previously as much as i may have put out songs under my name i've never taken the time to really focus on the difference between the songs i've done with zed the songs i've done with the lesso the songs i've done with so-and-so artist it's the first time i got to just dig differently. So then if you were going to explain in your own words what Kif- Kisses Back references, how would you do that? I mean, that song has, has always kind of felt like the infidelity anthem, right? Which I think everybody has kind of gone through in their own version of it or their own, their own story of it. And um, that, was, that was my version of it. Yeah, I think, I think it's always hard to find a way to talk about love in that context in a way that you maybe haven't completely heard before and it, it felt like that kind of lyric and the production I got to work on with Flex Pavilion who I've been a huge fan of and we've done a lot of work together before so it made for something that I think is a really fair introduction into what the album is which I haven't put out music in a long time and I think this is a really good starting point for people to kind of dig their toes into what what a Matthew Coma record is mm-hmm. versus what a feature is or a produced record. Yeah, so let's give people a little taste. Here's a little bit of Kisses Back. let's back up a little bit and get people to know a little bit more of your story. So tell me about when you first got into music and production writing, what genres was it? Where were you? How did that all come about? I grew up in New York, really musical family. Uh, Brother plays drums. Father was a singer songwriter. Mom sang. So kind of born into it in that respect of just Mm -hmm. having an appreciation for music being so ingrained in growing up and in culture more so than this thing that I did. Um, So I don't necessarily remember making a decision of, oh, I'm going to play music now or I'm going to get into it. I kind of always was playing guitar and 
that transformed into covering songs, which transformed into starting to write my own songs. And I think one thing leads to another. You play in bands, then you start getting curious about productions, and before you know it, you're you're in the whole the whole slope of it, doing it doing it all, and, and kind of figuring out. Especially nowadays, there's there's no reason to be limited to just one practice of it. It was like, oh, I I'm not just a songwriter. I'm not just somebody who sings songs. I'm not just a producer. You kind of get to to play with it all. So I was really fortunate to tour and play in bands my whole life growing up, and. And as I got older and started working with other songwriters and moved out to Los Angeles, I kind of got hooked up with a couple of producers in the electronic space, and that led to a lot of my first songs that sort of connected with a wider audience. And it was really cool for me because I felt like I was still able to maintain and do what it was I always did, which was write songs that pulled from a singer-songwriter-rooted world, but put it in the context of, of something different that wasn't as familiar or practice for me and I think that really influenced where I went for the past couple of years and absolutely where I where I am now as far as the album that I've made and and the singles that I'm putting out you mentioned you played in bands early in life yeah what were those like terrible (laughs) yeah awful can you give the names of them (laughs) absolutely not yeah no um yeah I mean like anything right you know you pick up a guitar and you start start a bunch of bunch of little jam sessions with your friends and that that morphs into playing shows and then you look back three years later and wonder why you did your hair that way and why you sounded like that but they were huge years and in, in kind of building the foundation of and an understanding and, and an appreciation to do everything else that I've, I've built on that I wouldn't trade it for the world I mean there's something about getting in a van and booking you know 200 tour dates on your own and really starving for it because it's yours in every sense of the word, um, and it definitely played a, played a big role in in my wanting to do something a little bit different. I didn't I didn't necessarily want to collaborate in that way. After a while, it felt restrictive to only be a guitar and drums. Um, after ten years of doing that, you know, so it played a huge role in where I went and also where I didn't go. I think. Do you feel well? Hmm where you didn't go. What do you mean by that? I think there's a certain restriction that I felt from that process and that routine. If I pick up a guitar, I write a song, and then I bring it to a band, and then we flush it out this way. And that's how it worked for so long for me that I think starting to produce really gave me some insight as to, oh, it could start a number of different ways. The song doesn't always start by me sitting in a room with an acoustic guitar and writing it. The song could start with me building a track and writing to that the song could start with a vocal idea that I record and chop up and make into something so I think I think there was just a certain set of rules that went with working with three other people in a band that wasn't as attractive or as inspiring as the world of tools that you have opened by grabbing a laptop and being able to manipulate it but that being said by having the background in playing in bands and knowing how to arrange and and produce and write from that standpoint was invaluable in in applying that to this different way of going about it how frequently do you see your peers in like production electronic production having backgrounds in rock music it depends. I mean, there's certain people who definitely surprise me where I'll hear their backstory and it's like, oh, you came from that, like knowing what Steve Aoki came from or even even Flux Pavilion, who has like a side project of 80s 
music that's the craziest thing I've ever heard that I never would have guessed in a billion years is something that speaks to him. Mm-hmm. So more often than than I would have assumed, I think, in getting into it, there's a lot of guys who came from either loving rock bands or playing in bands themselves. Um, it seems to be more of a common thread than I think maybe 15, 20 years ago or something when there were such separated worlds. Now it's, it's so much more of a, a melting pot to begin with that it's a lot more common. Yeah, and in working with collaborators, writing for other people, I'm thinking knowing that language of guitar and like rock instruments probably helps with communicating things and making music together with certain people. I mean, you just said it, it's a language, right? So it's, it's knowing three languages. You're able to communicate with more, more people. Um, and it's definitely a cool way to be able to feel like no matter what the artist is or what the project is, you have different ways of approaching it. It's not like, oh, I know how to do this thing, so this is what I do. It's, it's boring to do that if you wake up every day and do the same thing. So funny enough, now, because there's been so much time between when I started making music and where I am now, that it is more exciting to pick up a guitar once in a while and not have the restrictions of, oh, we're building a track or we're paying attention to production. It's like, well, let's just write a song, you know? So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I was just thinking, for instance, of when you worked on Carly Rae Jepsen's album, Call Me Maybe started off as a guitar song, and it's like her early stuff before that, it was all acoustic guitar stuff. So probably like yeah. with her, for example, that's, that comes in handy. I mean, a lot of people, honestly, even a lot of the electronic producers who do come from a musical background were more interested in hearing songs than they were like, oh, here's a track. Let's, you know, let's go for this thing. It would be more, I have a song. I think it could be cool. Maybe it could be this kind of production model. So more often, and I think that's just a shift in music, period, is that it's become song driven, right? You know, so even electronic producers in the past five years, the shift went from being a track-driven thing to if there's a great song, they, they want to be a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. So it always comes down, for me at least, to the bare bones of, is the song great? Can it be played on an acoustic guitar and a vocal and still live without all the glitz and glamour and be a special? Um, so that's always foundational for me, you know, because I come from songwriting first and, and production is something that's supposed to serve the song from my perspective. So when you perform live, and I'm sure there could be different versions of this, take me through what your setup is and how you present things, because you come from so many different backgrounds. What is this like when you present it to people? It, it's what you just said. It completely depends, right? Because there's certain shows where there are electronic festivals, and if I try to do some sort of live setup, that's, that's not what it is. you know. So it, it's completely dependent on what kind of show it is, where it is, what I'm in the process of doing. I mean, with this record, it's going to be a completely defined or redefined live show from what I've been doing. I mean, the past year or two, I've been doing primarily DJ sets throughout the world, which has been incredible because it's a way for me to connect with people who may not have known that I wrote this song or I produced this song or um, or whatever. So it's a nice way to be able to familiarize and connect those dots. But This is the first time I have a record to go out and perform, which is a different position than I've been in before. So that will dictate a completely different performance than I've previously done. But it will definitely be a hybrid of of both worlds. I mean, it's going to be live-driven. I sing, so I'm going to sing my songs. But I I definitely don't want it to feel too bandy or too organic, if that makes sense. Hmm. But then there's times where I just want to grab an acoustic guitar and play for two hours, you know? yeah. 
And there's there's all different versions of how producers and DJs present themselves as far as what they're doing on stage and backing musicians. I feel like people could be in the crowd at least could be ready for anything. Yeah, again, I think I think you have to make that call as the look, you're there to entertain people, mm-hmm. right? So so depending what the crowd is and who you're playing for, it's rad to have songs that could work in different mediums so it allows you the ability to go and do DJ sets if it's an electronic festival or go do a bunch of acoustic shows if it's for that kind of audience that wants to hear the words, whatever it is, you know? So I'm excited to do all of it because I think these songs can can live in a couple of different different worlds in that way. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually more pumped talking about it than I realized. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> how much like press and talking about the your own music, or, the, or at least for this one, how much have you done so far? Not a ton. I mean, I just finished the. I mean, the the record literally is is just finished. We just shot our video for Kisses Back. We're just finishing a bunch of remixes on it. So it's it's all so fresh and so new. And I think I'm even just coming into realizing how different it feels to have put that much time and energy and and heart into something and now it's over but it's also not begun because uh-huh. it's a very personal and emotional experience to create that but also realize that the back end of that hasn't happened yet where you, you release it and and all the things that were a relationship between just you and and that music alone in a room are now going to be put on display in, in some way so it's it's a really interesting time to be honest so when can people expect these things coming out I mean, we're putting out our single Friday, um, or I guess when this airs is... Today. It's Presently. Today. Now. We're putting the single out right now. Um, yeah, music's going to follow pretty pretty regularly for the, for the next little bit, so I'm, I'm excited. I really think that people are going to get a fair, a fair idea of what it is I do and still be able to connect the dots to places where they may have heard my voice before or heard my songs, but, but see the difference between this being my album versus something I've worked on. And for instance, one of those big ones, Clarity, was that from your perspective, how did that one all come together? Super organically, like any other song, I was on tour. He had sent me a bunch of tracks. We had just, I think we had just finished Spectrum, or Spectrum had just come out, and we were working on a couple other songs for his record, and it was a track he had sent me. I had a day off in Washington, took a studio and I think it was 20 or 30 minutes I wrote it and laid a rough vocal down and sent it back to him and I don't think any of us thought anything of it at the time because we just finished Spectrum so that was kind of oh that's the single and that's coming out we're doing a video so all the focus was kind of around that moment and I don't think we were thinking like oh Clarity is this that's going to be the one that that that's representative of the record or 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 definitive of of that time but um but it was also really humbling to watch it kind of connect to that many people universally because you don't really know you know and people decide people kind of raise their hands when it's something that works for them or connects them emotionally and and that song was a really good example of that because the process was no different than any of the other 300 songs that i worked on that year it just happened to be the one that people heard and felt something with and and Honestly, a little bit of luck, you know, stars have to align for the song to even be in the position for people to hear it, so. Yeah, and you wrote the lyrics to it, you said. Yeah, lyrics, melody, uh, yeah. Yeah, so thinking with your own music and that lyric writing process, like, how is that different? Do you, 
do you feel like you have to like hold some of yourself back when you're writing a song that is like that one was in collaboration with someone else that another vocalist will sing? I never think about it in the process of writing because I think it gets a little dangerous to to be in the kitchen and overthinking about what you're putting in in the food. You know, I think you just you kind of reassess after you finish. Um, so for me, it always needs to start from a place of, oh, I have this melody idea or I have this lyric idea. I'm just going to go with it and not think about it and kind of finish my first draft of that. And then those kinds of things come up. Like, okay, well, if so-and-so is, is going to record the song or if it's for Zed in that case, you're respecting what their vision of the song is too because it, it's not for me. You know, I'm, I'm a writer on it. And my job in that scenario is to help execute what feels good in their gut, right? Because mm-hmm. everything that you make in art is operating on, it's done when your gut tells you it's done. But my gut's different than your gut. It's different than anybody's gut. So especially when collaborating with somebody else, it's not just up to your instinct. It's kind of a compromise of instinct, and that's what's beautiful about collaboration. So I think a little bit of that attitude of, of yes, it needs to be tailored comes in, but not until after the initial thing is birthed because I think it's it's dangerous to think too much yeah and for writing your own material when you're not in that that sort of collaborative compromise with dance music especially do you ever feel like you can't be too wordy I mean I would say yes but then I think clarity is one of the more complicated lyrics that I've written in terms of it it's not like a completely on the nail clear lyric and it resonated with a lot of people so I don't know I mean I think because I come from loving storytelling and those are the kind of writers that I'm attracted to Elvis Costello and Tom Waits people who 90% of the time you have to really dig to even get what they're talking about to see the brilliance in it Um, because I have an appreciation and a love for that I think I always want to incorporate a piece of that into what I do so it's not always just hitting it on on the head or being overly obvious. But, but yeah, I think when you're doing it in the context of, of dance music, especially when you're thinking about that particular time period where these kinds of lyrics and these kinds of songs weren't necessarily paired with the genre a ton yet. In the past three, four years, it's become so song-driven. But at that point, it was still a little bit new to have songs that could be played on an acoustic guitar in the context of a festival. That that was different, right? So, I don't know. I think it's a constant learning process because you can't, you can't underestimate the audience because you'll see them respond to things that are maybe a little bit uh, trickier than you would, would assume they'd connect with. But they're not, you know, they're not just genre-specific fans anymore. We're living in 2017. Everybody listens to everything, so their taste buds aren't just made from dance music specifically. They're listening to Bon Iver. They're listening to other stuff. They're inputting other music that when they come and listen to that, they want that same quality. It's just a different lane. And I think a lot of the kids, especially the on the younger side that will come to your show now, they don't even really remember a time when genres were divided. No, that didn't exist that doesn't exist in, in their spectrum of thought because I mean it's hard for I was I was a baby when it was separated, so it's hard to even completely tap into that, you know? And even so, I was in a household where my brother listened to hardcore bands and my parents listened to singer-song, you know, so there was already that that kind of mix. But, yeah, now more so than ever, there's no lines. Yeah, so let's drop in a little bit more music. 
let's uh, let's listen to Clarity. Talk a little bit about Taylor Swift, the Taylor Swift song. The Knox, my <laughs> homies. I love those guys. I was just talking about them because we're in New York, so they're good dudes, man. I, I met, you know what? I'm lying. I didn't meet Ben. He emailed me or I emailed him because he had done a remix of a song I did with RAC called Cheap Sunglasses. I loved their remix. I think we may have met actually at a show in L.A., Anyway, point being, we did not know each other whatsoever. Okay. Um, but I loved what they did, and, and I loved their music, so we wound up kind of over email, which is the case a lot these days, just exchanging ideas, and and that was that was a fun song to work on. It's, it's always fun to do stuff that doesn't take itself too seriously, you know? Um, yeah, that was fun. That was and cool. f- for that one, do the lyrics come from you or from the Knox? I wrote the lyrics and the melodies on that, and they had uh, they had that track finished. I think the track was called like Jungle something because they had like uh-huh. produced it in the jungle or, or something crazy. Um, so it was in a folder of tracks, and just it just kind of stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah, and also notable session from you lately. What was it like working with Britney? It was great, man. I mean, she's super super in touch with what it is that works for her and what she likes and I think I think I was surprised even at the music she was playing me just really kind of random deep stuff that I don't know that I would have pinned her as as a fan for or um or whatever and it was it was really cool super open-minded and really willing to try different stuff I mean the songs we worked on were all really unique unto themselves and she just would come in with a rad attitude and sing the hell out of them. And it was, it was really cool. I mean, again, like you're talking about somebody that such an icon that to even kind of hear the tonality of her voice singing melodies and songs that you've worked on. It's, it's such a trip. Yeah. And like in person, no less like right in front of you. Yeah. Crazy. And like, and killed it. We would come in and work ethic was awesome. And it's, it's nice to see artists who have, been putting out records for for such long periods still coming in that hungry and that that hard working and for the people listening this was for the glory sessions towards britney's most recent album yeah it was a couple you know it was, it was a couple of years ago though at this point i think it was really early on in her process of making that record and i always tell people it's funny because i see it with myself even and people i've worked with for for my own stuff it's like there's the beginning of the record where you just start and you're kind of fishing a lot for different ideas and different directions and, and trying a lot of different things. And usually one or two of those songs stick and somewhere in the middle you crack the code of what the record is. And then that last kind of 11th hour and that middle section is sort of where the, the record comes together. And it's very rare that songs from the beginning, at least in my experience, the songs in the beginning of that process kind of survive. And it's not due to quality or anything. It's due to the fact that you're looking at first. Like, what is this? You're trying to shape it. Um, and luckily I was, I was able to work with her, you know, pretty early on in that process where it was, it was fun to experiment. It was fun to, to try different stuff. And with someone like that with you, is there any point still where 
someone who's like a legend comes in and you're working with them and it's like, oh shit, I'm kind of nervous. This is kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I think, I think in in music, period, it's it's a constant state of feeling like, oh, this is surreal, and sometimes you don't even realize it until you have a little bit of distance from it and you kind of look at it from like, because it's such a whirlwind, right? I mean, especially when when you're in the midst of it and you're touring and you're working and you're writing, there's so much going on that I don't know that you ever have a second to even be present enough to absorb it. And it usually takes looking at photos a year later or hearing that music, you know, completely out of context a year and a half later where it's like, that's insane that I got to be a part of that or that's insane that I got to play this place or whatever. Cause I think when you're in it, it's always task at hand, head down and do a good job and, right. and, and do stuff that you're, you're working or you're, or you're creating. Right. So it's like, I'm in that zone. I'm not in the Marvel zone, but yeah, I, I look back a lot and think, geez, like it's crazy. It's crazy. Some of the things I've gotten to, to be a part of or see and feel really, really fortunate. So what are some of those moments that you look back on? I mean, getting to work with with Springsteen was insane. Um, yeah, know, I want to hear about that. I mean, I'm from Jersey. I love Bruce Springsteen. Like, tell I mean, me about that. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on... My dad is a huge Bruce fan. I've seen probably upwards of 40 shows now. Like, he's one of the big reasons I write music, you know? So a dear friend of mine, Ron and Yellow, had produced his past couple of records, and we've done some some work together we're like neighbors, so we just work on a lot together that may or may not ever come out kind of kind of vibe. But he was producing his record, and they were looking to kind of do a different sort of approach on one of the songs, and he pulled me into it, and Bruce really liked it, so they released it as, as a single. And, yeah, it's a trip. I mean, it's a trip being able to be a part of a creative process with somebody that is one of the biggest influences of your creative process. And I've gotten to experienced that a few times where again when you're in it you're kind of just focused on on making sure it's great but then when it's over it's like wait what yeah (laughs) like I took my dad to see uh Bruce just did the river tour and I took my dad to see it in Los Angeles and introduce him and it's crazy yeah it's 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 insane to to think that you had even the tiniest pinky a part of of that scope of a career it's nuts how did dad feel when you introduced him? He was stoked. I mean, my dad has been going to see him since the 70s, since before Born to Run came out. So he's he's been there since day day one. Um, and it's been a huge thing that we've shared. And he and I have always gone to concerts together and always seen music. So I think a couple of times having the lines blurred between music that we've loved and, and grew up on and seen and seeing it cross over into stuff that I've been able to work on or that we've been able to get a closer look at is, mm-hmm. has always been a trip. Yeah. Yeah. And we good. don't forget it. It's always really appreciated and, and we look at it, you know, those are the moments that I absorb. Yeah. From giving your backstory, it sounded like dad was also a musician and, play a lot of music around the house, that kind of setting? Yeah, he wrote songs. I mean, he still plays out um, really often. He's he's great, yeah. Taught me how to play guitar and introduced me to so much music that shaped why I write the way I write and why I taste things the way I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, from Bruce to Elvis Costello to Squeeze to Tom Petty. Um, and always just took us 
me and my brother to, to shows. It, it was more than just playing the records around the house. It was enabling us to be exposed to what that energy was, which even at a young age became so addictive. And so I need that. I want that. I want to be that guy, you know? Um, so to this day, it's, it's still something we share. He, both our parents fly all around the world to catch a show or a fun trip and, and, and be a part of it. And it's, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask mom too. Yeah. hundred percent. She sings and she's got a little band and, and they play out. I mean, it's, it's definitely in the bloodstream. Um, but it's just fun. It keeps it fun. Right. Because it, it kind of keeps the foundation always the same. It's always been about music. It's always been about songs. It's always been about it being some sort of celebratory thing that we enjoy. So that's never changed, you know, whether you're doing it in a bar in front of 10 people or on a stage in front of 20,000, it's, it's the same principle of why you're up there. It feels good. Yeah. So, so where we left off before, very worthwhile going deep into the Bruce collaboration. But before that, we were talking like the big moments, like the, where you look back a year later and you're like, oh shit, there was Bruce. Were there some others you were thinking of? I mean, for me, I'm a sucker for getting to have a pat on the back from a hero. Um, That always does it for me. Like, it's amazing to sell records and it's amazing to see songs succeed, but I've always been the, if I could have the respect of the people that I respect, that means more to me than anything on earth. So moments like that always stick out. I, um, I was joined by Sting for a performance of Clarity once, which was nuts. I mean, Police are one of my favorite bands and he since has become a friend and, and always lends his ear uh, to music, which is just a trip again because it's the police, it's Sting, you know? So that's one of those moments. Um, there's a writer I grew up listening to with my family named Marshall Crenshaw, who I think is one of the best pop songwriters of all time. And I've gotten to work with him a bunch. It's, it's stuff like that that just, yeah, that, that like ticks it for me because those are the people that I listen to. So when you get to sit with the people that you listen to and see how they approach making a song or how they approach their craft, it's, there's nothing like that. You can't, you can't describe that seeing somebody in the zone doing what they do that for years you've studied from the outside because you're a huge fan of it. So things like that always, yeah, they always get me. They get the heartstrings. And what about the opposite end? Have you had situations where you were working with someone who was much more fresh, who looked up to you more, where you really took note, pulled things away from them? You're always a student. If you're doing it right, you're always a student. And I think one of my favorite things in making this album even was being able to work with you know, people like Freddie from Lewis the Child. He's 18, and the kid's so hungry and so talented and pulls from so much influence of all over the map, but it's humbling to be around that because I remember my version of that. You know, We all do. We all remember when we first got into it, what that first four, five, six-year gap is like from an inspiration standpoint and from a volume standpoint, because it's all you do. Everything is just this idea, this idea, this idea. So I love being around some of the producers who maybe got into the game three, four years ago when songs like Spectrum and Clarity came out or whatever, and and that had a, a, a playing part in why they write songs or why they produce music, because those are the those are the producers those are the artists that are are going to take it to the next chapter you know and 
I think any great artist, whether it's in electronic music or, or any music, you're always looking at the roadmaps of where it's previously been, and you're kind of figuring out how to use those to turn it into a new path for you. So I find it fascinating to work with people who are able to, to have a fresh look, because that's what it is, right? When you're first getting into music, there's, there's no rules. It's before you know better. And I, I think we all miss that ignorance a little bit because you start to know too much or it starts to become more thought. When you don't know better, you're just, you're just moving. And there's something so beautiful about the music that comes out from that. And looking forward, just working with these younger people and to the future, what just has you excited? Could be abstract things or specific things or developments. You're saying things are just getting more song-driven. What has you excited? You know, excitement for me, I feel like there's two different things that really spiked my interest. It's it's people, it's, it's songwriters first and foremost for me that have a perspective that I feel like I could subscribe to. And like there's a band called Dawes. They're my favorite band. Mm-hmm. Love his writing so much. And part of the thing that excites me is I feel with him like I felt about Bruce or Elvis where... I'm subscribing to his perspective, his way of telling stories, and there's going to be years of it to come. Except with artists like Bruce or Elvis, you're kind of going back and discovering these catalogs. Whereas with with Dawes, it's an opportunity to really be along for the trip. Uh And that stokes me out because there's very few artists that I feel that invested in where I can't wait to see what the next five years bring, what the next 10 years, what some side project brings, you know? So that excites me. And then on the production front... I think it's cool because everybody has the same set of tools now that the playing field is so even that it really is up to how creative you could be. Um, And I think that kind of is bringing it back a little bit to the quality of songs because we've heard the tricks and ponies now. We've, We've heard the craziest it could get as far as technology being manipulated into sounds, but it's coming back to almost being more sparse because songs are are the foundation, they're in style. So I get really ticked by how producers kind of reinvent the language. And I think those are the two things that, that really stoke me out. Hmm. When you say reinvent the language, what do you mean by that? Well, I think, you know, every time every time something is I don't want to say on trend or in fashion but every time there's something that's happening in music it only takes one person tweaking it slightly to the left for it to be the next thing or the next direction and I always get excited seeing all the different ideas that go into that hat of well it could go that way or it could go that way and these are inventors right because nobody's sitting there saying like oh I want to do what's been done everybody's sitting there saying I want to do the thing that hasn't totally been done I still want it to live in this world mm-hmm. and appeal to this this crowd or this this type of fan because this is what I listen to or whatever. These are my influences. So I'm going to use those ingredients but try to make something different. And and I think that's what I see in a lot of the people like Jai Wolf or Lewis the Child or, or the Grey Kids. Like you're seeing them take something that has been done a certain way and they're just tweaking it enough that it's it's – re-interesting you know but it's still you have to study it almost to see past the surface of like all right well what about it is different you know um i don't know it's just it's it's fun to watch that 
evolution for me. Yeah, you mentioned Lewis the Child a couple of times. What's a good song we can drop in for the people listening? I really like their new single, Fire. I think it's rad. Cool. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I got to go to Chicago and work with, with Freddie quite a bit. And, yeah, I just, I think he comes from a really, you know, just like a songwriter comes from a lyrical perspective, I think he comes from a sonic perspective where he has his angle that he does something that somebody else isn't doing. And I think it's mm-hmm. freaking rad. Awesome. So drop that in there. Yeah, one thing I I was just really interested to hear you speak on just what your schedule is like because it seems with like doing collaborations DJing playing shows traveling a lot schedule can get pretty tight what's like the craziest 48 hours you ever had craziest 48 hours well our schedule is always nuts but one thing that comes to mind just because of almost the absurdity of it more so than even you know a bunch of events crammed into one one short period i think it was the day after christmas we flew to uh, goa india which was like a 25 hour flight or something to play um to play sunburn which is an awesome festival and i think a driver came to the hotel to take us to the venue which was only like 10 miles from where we were staying but we wound up sitting in traffic for three and a half hours from the hotel to the venue. I missed my ins- entire set. I played. We get to the venue and we couldn't get in because, for whatever reason, the driver didn't like know where the entrance was or something. So we're running through these fields of literally cows of of animals and thousands and thousands of people. Get to the stage and I played for I think nine minutes or eleven minutes got back into the car, went back to the hotel, and then flew back. So it was like, okay, we just traveled like 65 hours, and I played, I think, like nine minutes. I think I played three songs. So it was basically, we don't have enough. It, it wouldn't make sense to leave. It, it, you were not late enough to just cancel it entirely, but you were l- late enough well, that... Well, I kind of show. So let's say I was on at 9 to 10. I showed up at 9.53. I was like, well, I mean, I came from New York to India. I should probably, I'll play, you know? People must have thought you were, like, the biggest rock star, like, the biggest, like, build-up, coming on late, <laughs> a seven-minute set, seven minute and then set. just That's going to be my new thing. I'm going to see how far I could travel to play seven minutes. It's going to be the new, the new standard. Is it a good crowd? It was awesome. No, it was super. That was the thing that was a bum out. I'm like, this is awesome. I'd love to come back next year and play for like 16 minutes. It'd be sick. So that was the craziest. I don't know. Hours. Honestly, I feel like every 48 hours is the next craziest 48 hours. It's it's pretty nonstop and pretty go, go, go. But it's fun. I mean, it's all really enjoyable stuff. You know, nobody's nobody's forcing us to do anything. So I travel with my brother. So we're always kind of laughing and just getting a kick out of stupid stuff. And it's yeah, it's good. Yeah, so going forward, what events do you have coming up? Probably things attached to the, the new music coming out, right? Yeah, it's a very, very different process than I think I've, I've experienced thus far because I, I haven't 
I mean, to be totally honest, I haven't put out music. And I think that's something that even fans who have been following my, my career for a bit, there's, there's been that, when are we getting music? And it hasn't mm-hmm. been from lack of desire. It just, I haven't had the opportunity to do what I'm doing now. So it, it definitely dictates a bit of a different, a different path. Um, but lots of shows and I'm going to be heading to Asia in December and doing a bunch of touring over there, uh, through the new year and then coming back and doing the States in the new year. So just, just continuing to to go this was a nice pause to really make an album and and make something that will carry me through for the the next minute and i feel like i feel like it's what i've been meaning to do i finally got to to sit and do it so bam yeah there it is It's, it's it's very simply said but it's almost that simple it's like it's on your mind you want to create this thing and until you just really pause everything else and do it it doesn't get done but i i feel like i'm coming up out of it now yeah well thanks so much for coming by thank you for having me i appreciate it that's the show that's it you know my background it's all over but it's most in alternative and rock music so talking to someone from the dance music world is a little different for me I was just trying to learn right along with you guys in that one. I hope you got inspired by my talk with Matthew. Check out Kisses Back. That's the single he's got out now. He has other new music coming. I've heard it. It's really good. So yeah, stay tuned in on him. And like I said before, top of the show, I'll be doing an interview like this every Thursday for the Pop Shop Podcast. So next week, have another artist who straddles all different genres, This one's most rock, but also some pop and electronic. Won't say who it is, but you should subscribe to the podcast. Search for Pop Shop on iTunes and get it automatically every week. You'll get next week's on Thursday. Give us a star rating, some feedback. It helps a lot. Katie and Keith will be back with a new episode on Pop Shop in a few days. And I'll see you next week. Peace out.